Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlin, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. It's Masters Week. By Masters Week, do you mean that the women's golf team put on a masterful clinic this weekend? That's exactly right. Women's yeah. golf is probably going to, they're headlining the show today. They are. They are coming off of a 19-stroke win over the weekend. Put this Impressive. into Put that into terms that I can understand. Um, <laughs> that's a 25 point <laughs> basketball win against, and they're playing a game with 10 other opponents against them. So impressive. <laughs> Think about that for a second. That's a crowded court, but they found a way to get it done. That is, it is honestly insane. And then there was one player who had a, just an absurd final round. I forget her name. You, I'm going to let you take it away and just kind of break down what women's golf did over the weekend. Amelia Williams shot a 64 to win the individual portion of the event. So her final round, she shot an eight under 64. I was looking at it. She parred two of the par fives and had a bogey on her card. So she went eight under despite not birdieing two par fives and making a bogey on the day. And it was her 21st birthday. That's a memorable 21st. That's amazing. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Blowout win for them. They've won, I want to say they won three of their last four events. And the, the one they didn't, they got second. And they probably could have won that one. So they're on a heater and they their next competition will be April 16th. That's the Sunbelt Championship. Um, I was looking at some some golf stat rankings. I think they're the favorite, probably by a small margin. So it'll be competitive, but they have a legitimate chance to win the conference title in their first year in the league, which would be dope. That's awesome. And uh, I think Tommy Baker is – we need to be getting Tommy Baker here on the podcast shortly because oh, yeah. this is becoming Bennett's golf podcast. We're a golf podcast. We're, we're a pro golf podcast. We're, we're a golf podcast where I'm trying to say, can you explain a 19 stroke win in uh, terms I can understand? Can Is this a team that has a big man? <laughs> they have a lot of, a lot of really talented players. They've got depth. They got size, right? They got guard play. They can score from the wings. They can go inside out. They have a mid range game. They can do everything. This is an elite level mid major team. It is kind of insane though. Like when I did, we're joking around about putting it into other sports terms because like a 19 stroke lead win, even if you're not a like golf enthusiast, you know, that is a dominant, dominant win. And to do that, I feel like in team play is even more exceptional. And then on top of that, Williams just balling out and shooting eight under in the final round, like everything coming together is just like, you look at that and you're like, Oh, wow, this is, this is good. Yeah, super impressive. I think it's, um, I want to say they have like, it's five or six. I always forget exactly, or four or five. But there's like a certain number of players and you count like every day you're counting four scores or whatever it is. Yeah, I think it's four on your team. So it's like four individual scores. So you can obviously, it helps when Amelia Williams shoots 64 one of the days. 
but you have to have like depth on your team. You have to have multiple players who are good. And they've, they've kind of done that the last few years. I think they have now six wins in the last three seasons, including a CAA, CAA title. And then last year they couldn't win uh, the conference championship because they weren't eligible. So they had this great comeback, I guess, in 2021 to win the CAA 2022. They weren't allowed to play. And then they're going to go into the Sun Belt championships as probably the favorite. It's they're doing a lot of really good stuff, which is it sort of speaks to JMU's like overarching athletic excellence outside of like, you know, the baseball team for you know, just to use an example. <laughs> well, don't jump the gun. We're gonna get to baseball, but first we have to talk about another team that has been firing on all cylinders to start the season. Lacrosse currently comes in at number four. They're up five spots from last week in the inside lacrosse. Uh, women's lacrosse top 25. I probably butchered how you're supposed to actually say that. Um, but the women's lacrosse team has been exceptional. They're coming off of a 10-8 win over UVA back on, I think that's last Wednesday. Um, no, that's two Wednesdays ago. I think we talked about it on the podcast, but a amazing win over number 12, Virginia. Then a 10-8 win at Temple and then a dominant 16-2 to win over AAC rival ODU. That's another win. That's another, however, they're doing the Royal rivalry thing um, between ODU and JMU, but another win for JMU over the Monarchs. And they held the Monarchs to no goals through the first three quarters. And that's something you don't see a lot of in women's lacrosse at the collegiate level. So a dominant win start to finish. And they have on Wednesday, April 5th, so today, when we're recording at 5 p.m., they're taking on number 23, Richmond. Really good team, playing well. Uh, the Temple one, I think they kind of checked out of that, too. is 10 to 3 after three quarters, and uh, they were probably a little, little ticked at themselves for getting outscored 5 nothing in the fourth, but they were kind of cruising in that one. They've been sort of dominant in conference play. And we talk so much about the defense, but I guess in, what is it, 11 of their 14 games this year, I think they've scored double-digit goals. Uh, and the other one, they've scored at least eight every game. They've, they've done a nice job where the offense is um, not a liability by any means. I think the defense is impressive, but gosh, man, they're they're a well-rounded group yet again. They are in a position to be a true national championship yeah. contender. Like I know beginning of the season, we're like, all right, guys, let's hope they win the American and make a little bit of a run, but national championship shouldn't be the expectation for this team. At this point in the season, they've gone toe-to-toe with, at the time, number one, UNC, who has now fallen to number five in the rankings. They took on Maryland, who's currently number 10 in the rankings. They're going to play Florida if they haven't already. Beat them uh, by five. Beat them by five. That's right. And then you have another ranked opponent in number 23, Richmond. And then to finish out the season in the AAC, you have a real shot at playing Florida again, or maybe another team that sneaks into the top 25. So this team could really have some fantastic wins. And if they're able to do what we kind of expect them to do, finish the season with only one loss, finish the regular season into the AAC conference championship with only one loss. And it was at the time against UNC uh, at UNC. This is a team that is dangerous. And I think they can go toe to toe with the Syracuse Northwestern Denver, all of which are in front of them. Yeah. That's going to be fun to track them through the postseason. They're really good. Cause yeah, you're right. We talked and we were like top 15 team, <laughs> pretty good but like you know maybe an ncaa tournament win and they've they've really progressed to the point where it's like oh like they could 
maybe do the whole win the whole thing again or at least go really far they've they sort of set an incredible standard in terms of jmu's athletic programs there aren't too many others or really any others that are consistently like in a national title position because i don't think football is quite the same right because it's not every team in the country it's not like they were beating alabama yeah so it's it's something i think look is this a hot take is lacrosse the best program at jmu I think it's got to be with the I, recent yeah. national title plus the like consistent sustained yeah. <laughs> top 25. It's insane. Yeah. I was, I don't think it necessarily is actually a hot take, but some people might get upset at that, but I think they're, I think it's kind of a wide margin. It's them good distance and then maybe softball. Yeah. They just don't ever really seem to do things wrong. You know, it's like when it's like, Oh, they had a down year. They lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament where it's like, Oh shit. They're like a top 20 team. <laughs> yeah. Every, every year, year. <laughs> yeah because even is... before they won the title they were like a top team yeah. top 25 team top 20 team then they just have recruited better their defense has remained elite and their offense puts up double digit goals and does what they need to do you don't have to score 25 when you have a defense that doesn't allow more than 10 it's just it's kind of wild that they've been able to so good because it's one where like I would say the valley in the spring is almost more of like a baseball softball region yeah so to like win a national title in a sport that's not even necessarily like a crazy like middle of Virginia focus is is wild it's it's also not like lacrosse isn't a sport that really thrives in Virginia itself like overall like I feel like lacrosse is a northeast like New York, yeah. Pennsylvania, Connecticut, um, those Maryland types of Maryland, it. Maryland loves lacrosse, but yeah. like Virginia, it's, it's growing in Virginia. But if you go around high schools feel like, and I could be vastly wrong since my time in high school, but there just aren't a lot of men's lacrosse or women's lacrosse programs at the high school level. So it's right. just it's really like- impressive that JMU is like, being a dominant power within the national landscape against the Syracuses, the Stony Brooks, yeah. the Boston colleges, the Maryland's, the UNC's, and they're beating them. That's like, like UVA men's lacrosse is always good. And they have like so many like New York kids, right? Yeah. They like, you have to be able to recruit like the Northeast Long Mid-Atlantic. Island. You just have to go out on, the, on, on Long <laughs> Island and be like, all right, who wants to come to JMU? And that's, what's so impressive. It's like, the, like the Sunbelt doesn't even sponsor the sport. JMU <laughs> somehow recruiting in a way that's as competitive as like national powers, which is, yeah. is wild. Yeah. Um, moving on from lacrosse, this is going to be a quicker episode as we're hitting our, our major points. Um, we'll go over to the diamond. Do you want to start with baseball or do you want to start with softball? We'll, we can start with softball. Okay. A little bit more hope in the softball landscape. They did just get swept by Louisiana, but Maybe I'm being too optimistic. I took some positives away from that game or from that series. A loss on Friday in eight innings, eight to four, a tough top of the eighth where Louisiana pushed four across and things kind of got a little ugly, but a close game nonetheless, a 9-2 loss and a 6-2 loss. But Louisiana now has won 76 conference series in a row, which is absurd if you actually think about it, they have not lost a, they haven't lost a conference series since I think it was 20. 
It's like 2013, I think. I wanted to say 2013, but that just sounds <laughs> so. In it's 10 like years, in a decade, the Ragin Cajuns haven't lost more than two games in a weekend in conference play. Mind boggling. <laughs> it really is crazy. Yeah, there's there's definitely some positives from the JMU front where they hung in that first game and then the third game too. They're a solid team. Like they're they're maybe a little bit better than I expected. Yeah. I don't think they're a tournament team. And I think the Sunbelt might get like five bids, but I don't think they'll be one of those five based on like the RPI. They've had some pretty, pretty easy games on the schedule, including some that they've dropped. Um but they're they're 20 and 10, five and four in the league, including the three losses to Louisiana. Like they're a good solid team i think they were picked to finish like fifth in the league or something they'll probably be close to that maybe just outside in the standings but i don't know they're decent they definitely need to improve they're not like they're not what they used to be um the last like five to ten years some of those teams were insane yeah but that also has to do with the fact that you went from jalen ford to megan good to odyssey alexander professional 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 two of those players found i think all three of them actually found their way onto a team usa roster at some point like elite level pitching and all of them also batted above 300 (laughs) in their career Um, (laughs) with power so you don't you don't stumble into one of those in like a four-year span let alone three of them in a five-year span just kind of insane that like jamie was had positioned itself there um but currently this season they have five players batting above 500 hannah shiflett kk mathis hallie hall jasmine hall and kylie gleason then they have avery pinder batting just a tick below 300 at 293 um so a really solid offensive lineup and then Alyssa Humphrey has a 271 ERA and Kylie Kyla Berry has a 310 ERA. They've been kind of the two go-to pitchers this season for the Dukes. Humphrey has pitched 102 third innings and Kyla Berry has pitched 61 innings this season. Yeah, they've got some decent pitching. I think it's one two where I think Fleet the recruit coming in next year who was originally committed to Georgia um, and then flipped is supposed to be extremely talented. So they've got some some good pitching that's supposed to return. Some of the hitters you mentioned, all the players over batting, you know, a tick over 300. Uh, KK Mathis is really, really talented. Um, Jasmine Hall's a really good young player they're building around. So they've got some some pieces there that I'm excited about. It's just a matter of building out that depth and having elite level pitching, which it seems like they're they're sort of trending in that direction might just take a little bit of time, but Hey, it's good to be in a competitive league where you can possibly get multiple bids. And I think eventually here they'll get themselves back to the tournament. I just don't expect it to be this spring. Yep. Um, And then on the baseball side, don't expect them in the tournament either. Um, But the good news, they just beat who'd they just beat. They beat Richmond yesterday. They beat Richmond 11 to eight. Good for them. Also, they, they, this is, this is throwing it back. They beat Radford on March 21st, eight to six. Did you know Radford's in the midst of, midst of a 13 game losing streak and just was outscored by Gardner Webb 37 to four over the weekend. They play Charlotte soon. They played Charlotte yesterday. Charlotte run ruled them 10, zero and seven. Is Carl Kuhn still their coach? No, it's Alex Guerra, a former oh, JMU coach. Oh, he got, I forgot that he got, he got canned. They're seven and 22. Oh. Man, 14 game losing streak. Um, they're under the midweeks. 
But then, yeah, JMU, back to the JMU at hand. Just I kind of wanted to throw a little dirt in that midweek win wound. Um, undefeated in midweeks. That's awesome. Good for them. Can't say the same about their Sun Belt play. So far, they are three and four in conference. I think you tweeted this out. More runs, more losses by 10 or more runs than they have wins in conference play. Yeah, it's like the same or something. Or it's like three of each. It's just, I don't know. It's They've gotten killed in some conference games, like 14 to three, 19 to three, and, and two South Alabama losses. Coastal got them 16 to three. It's somewhere I just feel like in the offseason, people are like, oh, you know, I don't think they're that far off. And when you lose by like 13 in a baseball game, a couple touchdowns, putting, putting it in football terms, that's not thank good. You, thank you. For, thank you for <laughs> that's not good, right? Me. It's, uh, I don't know. They're just, they're not that good. They haven't been that good. We've said that for a long time. It feels a little bit, um, I don't know. It's just kind of very repetitive with us here for the baseball podcast. I, I kind of think, and we'll get into it as the season goes on, but like they've got some tough games left, dude. They have a road series coming up uh, against Southern Miss. They play at Maryland, which has been decent in the past, at Virginia Tech. Uh, they host Louisiana, which always takes those sports seriously, at Virginia, which is just, Virginia's like a top five team. They're murdering people. Um ODU is better than us. They play Virginia Tech again. I, I think like they're 17 and 11 right now overall. I think they're going to get real close to like 500 overall again. I think they're about to lose a lot of games. You know what? I just can't wrap my head around though. Yeah. Last season, they had chased a lotter. The season before that, they had chased a lotter. This is a first round talent. This year, their offensive lineup is not terrible. Fenwick mm-hmm. Trimble is third in the nation in doubles. He has 15 doubles this season. Kyle Novak, who's batting 391, is one of the toughest players to strike out in the entire nation, ranking fifth in that category. Trayvon Dabney has one of the best on-base percentages in the nation because he gets hit by pitch so often. He's fifth in the nation, sorry, sixth in the nation in hits by pitch per game, getting hit by pitch 0.56 times per game. So every two games, you can guarantee he's been hit. All that's to say is like this team, it feels like has the makings to be good and they should be better than they are. I mean, how did like, there's just, they do too many things that you can't do when you're like a team that needs to get better. Like UMass Lowell is five and 20 on the season and they had a series victory. Yes. In in Harrisonburg. Yeah. Like that just, that's a horrible team. And, and Jamie has a six, three, six ERA on the season. And that's boosted up a little bit against bad competition, but like, I, 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 I feel like that's not terrible. And then you look at what their conference ERA is. They have a better ERA as a team on a whole six, three, six as a team this season. Bad. <laughs> opponent opponents have a six, seven ERA against them. So they're scoring a good amount, but you then flip to conference play their team ERA skyrockets to seven, four, which is abysmal and opponent ERA against them is five, one. So more than a two, point gap there like that's just bad that's bad it's and it's just like every year right they flip-flop between like they've never once during Eikenberry's tenure had like a good offense and a good pitching staff like in terms of performance not that they haven't had like the dudes necessarily yeah. I mean they've had they've put a lot of guys into like 
the minors and Kevin, and Kevin Kelly just played for the Rays the other night. Like they've had dudes on this team. It's, it's just really frustrating to see they're Yeah. They're toward the bottom of the conference and in ERA and their, their average isn't bad. Um, home run totals are a little lower than you might like to see compared to this. So they, I guess from what I'm looking at on the, the Sunbelt team page, they have 20 home runs and like, ODU has 61. ODU's offense is unbelievable. ODU is dirty. But that's that's kind of wild to be like a similar number of games. Yeah. Uh, one fewer game and 41 fewer home runs. <laughs> I mean, the the team leader in home runs this season is Fenwick Trimble with nine. And in conference yeah. play, they only have four home runs in seven games played um, on the season. Like you said, 34 home runs on the season. That's wrong. You just said it. I apologize. 20, I think. Yep. 24 in 28 games played. Yeah. I guess they had what well, they had four against Richmond or something. So it boosted their numbers. Yeah, which have yesterday's in there, which is sad. I wonder. Yeah. I guess it'd be interesting to go through and see how many of them are like midweek, not even just non-conference, but like how many midweek home runs against bad teams they've slugged compared to like games against teams where you're trying to win a, a series, but it's, it's, I forget the teams I just listed exactly, but like, the pitching stats, they still have to play ODU. I know they were one of the teams, Louisiana, Southern Miss, Troy. I think Marshall's on there, Georgia Southern. That's like the top half of the Sun Belt and Team ERA. Like they're about to go up against some teams that can pitch and they have some pretty good hitter. Like those are kind of just like some of the best teams in the Sun Belt. I think they're going to get absolutely manhandled the back half of the schedule because we talked about it, like the non-conference and a couple of those winnable series early in conference play, like you had to take advantage of it and they just simply did not. And I think it's about to get very bad. And I think if you're Jeff Bourne, like, I don't know, we'll talk about it at the end of the season, but like, if you're Jeff Bourne, it's the only team. You, you want to hear something that stinks. You want to hear something sad? Yes. They're 156 in the RPI right now. Yeah. And you know how, you know how tough their schedule has been this year? Oh God. What's the strength of schedule? They have the 230th strongest schedule out of, I think, about 300-something. So you have one of the weakest schedules in the entire nation. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 overall strength of schedule. So that's bolstered by what the Sun Belt has been doing. So, like, you have a tough right. conference schedule. That means they have the 275th strongest non-conference strength of schedule. So your non-conference schedule was weak. And that's the only reason you're sitting at 17 and 11 this year. I mean, yeah, way too many easy games. Even I was looking at even Richmond, I think is having a bad year. They're like five games below 500 or something. So like that win, everyone's like, Oh, nice. An instinct win. It's like, they're, they're not great. VCU doesn't seem to be great. BMI. VCU's bad. VCU lost their coach over the off season and mm-hmm. like their entire roster left. Radford okay. last night was pitching a walk-on. They added to the roster that day. And like you beat them <laughs> the other, like you're losing so many people like at Radford and like you point to that win, that's another in-state win. No, that's an eight, six win over against a big South team. That is bad. Like, and, and I know midweeks are weird and you can't necessarily get upset about margin of victory, but sometimes you can. And an eight, six win in that scenario, beating VCU squeaking by Richmond. Like these are games that if you want to be like the top of the Sun Belt, you mm-hmm. shouldn't be struggling in. Not saying they struggled necessarily, but you should be winning by more than two, three, four runs. And we talk about JMU's team ERA being a little bit of a 
a nightmare, um, at least going into uh, going into yesterday's games. ODU was tied atop the Sun Belt in home runs with 61 with Georgia State, which is the team that Jamie will play at home this week. And like there could be some some home runs given up. It's just it's one where it's a lot different if like they were beaten up on the non-conference and they had and they were battling against some of these conference teams. Like they played seven conference teams and three of the losses are by 10 seven conference games and three of the losses are by 10 plus runs. Like that's horrible. Like they're not close, man. Not only that, you then have the ninth worst ERA overall in conference. Hmm. And then you're, you're just compounding that with your 11th in the conference in total walks. So you don't have good plate discipline. Um, You're striking out. I'm trying to find their strikeout numbers. Um, That's reasonably low. Okay. But it's kind of weird to be like, we're kind of like a contacty team. It looks like like the batting average is decent. Yeah, 304. Got some, got some steals, but they're not hitting a ton of home runs compared to conference peers. And then they also can't really pitch. Like it'd be really different if they're like getting on base, manufacturing five runs, yeah. and then they could throw. It, it they <laughs> also they have the fourth best on base percentage in the conference at a 404 on base with the fourth best batting average at three. Like, like you're saying, it it something there's a variable missing. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I'll be really fascinated to look at like the the conference only stats at the end of conference play. They're second in stolen bases too. They have fifty three stolen bases this season. This something's not adding up. I don't get it. It's also one where it's a little bit confusing to like beat Coastal one day and then lose like by two runs another day, but then also lose by thirteen. Like the South Alabama stuff, where it's like. They sandwiched a win in between double-digit losses. Like, what, what is going on that the consistency it, from day to day? Is it just, like, lack of pitching depth? I, I think it's a lack of being able to hit good arms. Because with the South Alabama, you lose 19-3 to on Friday. So that's a mix of your ace, your, your Friday starter, just can't go toe to toe with their Friday starter. Well, I'd say that's that's tough if your Friday you give up nineteen. But then if you look at it too against Coastal, you lost sixteen to three. That's another t- like back to back Friday games. Your Friday starter, I, I'm not looking at the box score. I assume doesn't oh, go. Their bullpen got killed in the first South Alabama loss. Okay, well how how long did the starter go? Five. He gave up four runs in five innings, which is not great. But the bullpen got absolutely okay. tattooed. But like you, you kind of want your your Friday guy maybe to not give up four earned in five innings of work. Maybe you want him to yes. give up four earned in maybe six innings or something like that. But then, so Coastal, you lose sixteen to three. You lose at USC Upstate on Friday, six to five. You beat UMass Lowell five, eleven to five on a Friday, which turned into a Saturday doubleheader. But like you've struggled on Fridays this season. You've struggled against their best pitcher. And your best pitcher just hasn't been able to like hold up their end of the bar. Like, it's not like you're losing six to two. You're losing had, yeah. seven million to three. <laughs> they had some <laughs> pitchers must be pissed in some of these. I was looking in the, the Friday starter. Well, like one of the, one of the bullpen guys gave up six runs, but two of them were earned. And then that coastal, that first blowout uh, starting pitcher, Todd Mazzocchi, he gave up eight runs in four innings. One of them was earned. I would be so 
oh man, as the Friday starter, if seven of your eight runs are unearned, like the defense, I think they had five errors in that game or something, and Coastal didn't have any. You know what's wild too? They have the fourth best fielding percentage in the in the conference. I don't like like what's just... not adding up here. Like everything you look at, you're like, all right, th- this must be the issue. They must have a terrible defense. They must be like last in fielding. No, they have a 0. .970 fielding percentage, fourth best in the Sun Belt, 133rd in the nation, which like is respectable for the level that JMU is at. Good job. Maybe they just aren't hitting the ball well. No, they have the fourth best batting average, batting above 300 as a team. Or I guess they just aren't getting on base all that well, like when they're not hitting the ball. No, they have the fourth best on base percentage. Okay, maybe they just aren't manufacturing runs. They just can't steal the bags all that well. No, they have the second most stolen bases in conference. Maybe it's the ERA. I mean, it's all right. It's not so bad that it's costing you opportunities to win. Sometimes yeah. it is, but like overall as a team, it, it's your offense is going to have to come up, but like it's giving you at least a chance, but whatever. Man, I'm excited to look at the conference-only stats at the end of the year because I think they're about to be bad. <laughs> but we'll, I don't know. It's just it feels like one where we've talked for a long time. I think baseball would be a sport that was wildly supported at JMU if they played well. Yes. Well, anything else you want to add on that note? <laughs> I don't have a lot. I don't think there's been much action in the basketball portal. Spring practice football stuff is kind of hard week by week to get much of a gauge because Signetti really doesn't say anything and they aren't yeah. given a lot of access. So until we get like the spring game, there's not a ton that appears yeah. to be going on. Portal just kind of like just now it opened technically. Yeah. Like you've been able to enter it, but it's been the recruiting dead period. So hopefully we'll start seeing moves coming up. Uh, yes. Hopefully Jane, you adds a big. So for Bennett Conlin, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube